Welcome to the Pump on Film. I am Bunny Williams, and with me is Reverend Steve. I am the founder of the Church of Ed Wood, which is an actual thing worth a Google. This is episode 254 of the podcast, which is quite impressive, still going despite a worldwide pandemic. And it, in order to fully experience this episode, just FYI, you will need a pint and a pickled egg uh-huh. in order to fully, fully understand the episode, in order to really get what we're going for. Just to be clear. So, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just want to make sure that everybody is prepared before we get into it. You know. Are, are, are you Are you feeling engorged? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Pope on Film, America's number one DIY. DIY and crafting podcast. Yes. As everyone knows, we have always been a DIY and crafting podcast. Particularly when it comes to scrapbooking. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the scrapbooking. Yeah. And that hasn't changed because of the old pandemic. Now, uh, just because we're all locked, inside of our homes due to the deadly global pandemic doesn't mean we still can't be crafty and have fun and that's why this week on the podcast we will be walking you through making your very own wilson for when you finally snap now in order to make your own wilson you will need uh the following one volleyball, of course. You need a volleyball in order to make your Wilson. Yes, so. that's just obvious. Number two, you are going to need twenty dead twigs <laughs> for the for the hair. It's a very important part that is oftentimes overlooked by the more amateur crafter. And finally, one pint of warm blood. Warm, yeah, not cold blood. I can't stress this enough. It has to be warm. Don't use cold blood to make your Wilson, then it will leave streaks on your new best friend, and you don't want that to happen. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, now here's a fun, festive idea to dazzle people with your new imaginary best friend, rhinestones. Yeah. Rhinestone, yeah, around the mouth and eyes will really, really bring some life to the inanimate object that you now talk to because it's been a month since you've left the house and you're going insane. And it will make Bunny. it look like it will make it look like Wilson is ready for a pride parade. Yeah, yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Bunny, what do you miss? From back when existence was normal. See, the, 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 the problem with that is that my 
own mental illnesses make me ideally suited for exactly what's going on right now. I have not been yeah. out of the out of the house in over two weeks, and I still don't care. Okay, so, so I, not, I'm not I'm not, not going through a lot of the same things that other people are going through. I don't care if I don't leave the house for another two fucking weeks. I don't I don't okay. care. This well, is then. this is where I need to be. <laughs> I should have always yeah. been in isolation. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that I miss. I miss movies. Obviously. Yeah. Not movies per se, but movie theaters. I One thing I'm proud of is that even when I was watching three movies a week for over a year, still the act of going to the movies. Yeah. And affording popcorn and getting popcorn and and maybe a drink and walking into a dark theater and picking your seat, it was all still special. Mm -hmm. I was worried that when I really started doing this and going to movies constantly, that that it would become a routine, you know? Well, well, it, it became a routine, but it was still special, you know? Yeah. I miss, ra I miss raisinets. I haven't had raisinets in a very long time. That was one of my go-to candies to sneak into the really movie theater. Yeah, because it's like, because it's like $2.99 for a box at the movie theater, but I can get it for 99 cents right next door at the supermarket. So yeah. I was a big, I was a big, uh, I went to that supermarket a lot. I miss doing a story time and having kids attack me. Yeah. You know, like I'm doing a story, I'm doing one of my live story times and kids are just, are just literally attacking me. Like I miss that. I miss Goodwill. Is Goodwill still open? Probably not. Uh, I'm, Is I'm it? Not sure. I, don't know. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. I I I wish Walmart wasn't a Mad Max sequel. I can tell you that. Yeah. But then again, okay. Let's be honest, though. That's just Walmart. That that has nothing yeah. to do with the pandemic. The the Walmart has always been Mad Max. Yeah, I, I've heard that now Walmart is roping off sections that aren't, what's the word I'm looking for? Essential. Yeah. So you can focus on getting essentials and not have to go into any other. And, and, and that upsets me because who are you to tell me what's essential for my family? Especially Maybe. since it's right there. You know what I mean? I it, it's like I'm. I might need underwear for the kids. I might need uh, uh, socks for Eleanor. I might need knives out on Blu-ray. Yeah. Who are you to tell me that I don't need scrapbooking right now? Yeah, it's Sons in your. It's in your store. I am in your store. Sell it to me. You yeah. know, it's not like and then, it's not like you're going to the Blu-ray store to buy knives out. 
Yeah. Because that would not be essential, and that's just making people gather. In the, but you're talking about a place where you're fucking gathered anyway. Yeah. I mean, the stuff is already there. I can just pop out and get it. It's 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 freaking ridiculous. And then I saw on the news they were inter. There was an interview. They were interviewing a an Amazon warehouse employee, and he was upset. And he was talking about how we are we are here and we are working uh, twice as hard trying to. We have items and we are trying to send them to people wow. that need them. We are trying to send them to to doctors and nurses and people who need them, but we can't do our job effectively because people are still out there ordering pointless, non-essential items from Amazon. You don't need this pointless stuff. The more you, the more you order all of this pointless crap, the slower it is for us to be able to get the necessary items to the people that need them. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. But then he starts talking about some of the stuff you guys need aren't essential. Like, like, like dildos. We're sending so many dildos. Dildos. Oh, dildos I beg to differ. On, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I also beg to differ. Hey, any uh, anything that releases fucking stress these days. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you to tell me my sexual health isn't just as important uh-huh. as my physical health or my mental health? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's ridiculous. right. Yes. If in this trying time the American people want dildos, fucking Jeff Bezos, you supply those goddamn dildos. Yeah. And maybe pay his fucking Yeah, and maybe pay your fucking employees. Yeah. Bunny We we should donate. Bunny, let's talk about let's talk about businesses in these trying times of COVID nineteen. I don't know how you want to edit this. If you want to keep it into this section or put it into two different sections, whatever you want to do. I don't want to step on your toes. We'll see. But because uh, a lot of businesses are hurting right now because of the coronavirus. For my birthday, I wanted Hamburger King yeah. so much. Uh, it, it it's this restaurant. Locally owned, right down in downtown. It opened in like the 1930s yeah. and has been open continuously. And, and you, you look, you go through the restaurant and there's like pictures of the founder of Hamburger King with like, you know, old timey musicians from the 40s and stuff. And it, it, it has so much history and I really, really like it. And I've just been wanting one of their burgers for so long. And, and then COVID-19 happened and I was like, damn it, it, we can't do all of these road trips and, you know, celebrate my birthday the way that we wanted to. But, hey, Hamburger King is still a restaurant and restaurants are open and they're there. You order, you call them and order and then they'll have it ready for pickup and they'll deliver it to your car. And it's like, ha, I can still get Hamburger King on my birthday on Sunday. Well, apparently, I forgot that I'm in the middle of the Midwest because they closed on Sunday. Okay. And then on Monday, and then on Monday, they said that for the health and safety of all of their employees, that they will be closed indefinitely. Uh huh. Okay. So now I don't get Hamburger King. You missed the most important part of that story. What? We've made multiple attempts because. 
we were like, oh, hey, we'll get Hamburger King now. And Steve looked at the time and he was like, oh, they have already closed. They've got shortened hours. And I was like, oh shit, they're closed on Sundays. Let's do it on Saturday. Steve was like, okay, yeah, they closed this time. And then I called to place my order and she was like, oh yeah, we closed early because there wasn't a lot of people here. So not only did we make multiple attempts, but then on Monday when we were able to get it again, they decided to close down and death. So yeah. it was just bullshit. Yeah. yeah. So that sucks. Now I can't get the burger I wanted for uh for the for my birthday. So that sucks. I still believe I, I, I I'm putting my foot down here. I still believe that it is a, it, within the realm of possibility that COVID-19 was created by a shadowy cabal of uh, of uh, rich individuals, the CEOs of major companies, specifically Domino's, Walmart, Grubhub, Zoom, Purell, and Charmin. Yeah, Zoom. Who the fuck ever heard of Zoom before this? Uh, Emerald used it for school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot, Who other Emerald than nerds it? have heard about this? Yeah, like Emerald would use it for online classes, and now basically everyone's using it for everything. And and yeah, like I don't, I don't fully, I don't fully dig that. But like I've already used it like three or four times. I I kind of. I kind of like a like a picture that I came across on Facebook where it was the last supper and Jesus was at an empty table and all yeah. the disciples were up in little windows. Yeah. Yeah. They were all using Zoom for so, the last supper. Yeah, so Zoom is doing good business, so hooray for that. Uh but not a lot of places are. I'm really worried about movie theaters, bunny. Yeah. I am really worried about movie theaters. How will they reopen? I had heard what I'm reading in like business uh, websites and stuff like that was that AMC had a rough 2018 and a rough 2019 and they had success with their AMC A-list program, but they they were like a hundred million dollars in debt going into 2020 but they said hey but we're gonna have a really strong 2020 though and we're gonna bounce back so don't worry about that we will definitely have our debt paid by the end of 2020 i mean unless some sort of massive natural disaster comes along but that'll yeah. never happen and so now amc theaters are closing and all amc theaters are closed a number of them a few of them i have heard are closed permanently and I'm not sure if all of these movie theaters are going to be reopening uh, when all of this is done. Because AMC is, it was severely in debt before, and now they have no money coming in. So uh, COVID-19 might kill AMC. I'm really yeah, I, upset I, I about had, that because of my... I had heard yeah. that as well, and I knew you were going to be upset, definitely. And it fucks oh, up yeah. a bit. It fucks up yeah. a perfectly good bit. Yeah, it does. So, don't tell me we're suffering. And also, when they do open back up, um, what will they show? 
because yeah. all movies have been postponed and suspended. Like there's a drive-in movie theater about an hour and a half away from my town in Chickasha, Oklahoma, and they're still open and they have COVID-19 uh, uh, things in place. They'll only allow 50 cars to come in at one time. Uh, yeah. You have to be... You have to be one spot away from any other car. They only allow certain people, a certain number of people inside of their snack bar at any given time. And to make things easier, they're doing this weird thing where um, most of the time, if you go to the drive-in, to this specific drive-in, no outside food or drinks at all are allowed, period. You have to get all your food from the snack bar. So now they're saying, if you want to bring outside food in, that's fine. It'll be like a $10 fee. $10 extra to bring outside food in. Oh. But if you don't bring outside food in, they'll give you like a $10, like, certificate to use at the drive uh, at the snack bar anyway well the the snack bar i'm okay with the drive-in theater being open but the snack bar should definitely be fucking closed because that's where everybody's going to gather that and the bathroom that's the good thing is that that how they're doing the snack bar is uh everyone who comes in gets a flyer and the flyer is everything they have in the snack bar and if you want something from the snack bar, you call the snack bar's phone number and order it, and uh-huh. they'll bring it to your car. Nice. So, so, so you can you can buy something in the snack bar without having to go into the snack bar, which is nice. But because there are no new movies, the drive-in is currently showing Back to the Future Two and Shrek. Okay. And I'm not sure if that's lame or fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm going to go awesome. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm not sure if I saw Back to the Future 2 in the drive-in, you know? Yeah. So that's that's kind of awesome. Meanwhile, the WWE is a goddamn mess. As always. Yeah, um... A lot of WWE wrestlers are pissed off because they 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 went ahead with WrestleMania. And, but everyone in the WWE said we shouldn't do this. We should postpone it. We should cancel it. We shouldn't do this. There was only one person who said that they should still do WrestleMania, and that was Vince McMahon. And so WrestleMania is now a two-night thing. Night one was last night, and night two is tonight. And... It's in their empty performance center, and it's oh, it's that's just so... real weird. Yeah, it's, how it's... can you do that? Some some things you just need a crowd for, you know. Yeah, you you need yeah. you need like watching watching some of the late night shows. You know, Steve Colbert's still doing bits. Seth Meyers finally has his volume at an actual audible level. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But and I like to watch them from time to time, even though it really kind of creeps me out at the same time, you know. But yeah, they're just not as funny. 
with without an audience to laugh. Yeah. So how how exciting yeah. can wrestling be if it's just two dudes rolling around on a mat? The thing that the thing that really pissed me off about the first night of WrestleMania is that the main event was a boneyard match yeah. between The Undertaker and AJ Styles. And they filmed it in advance in this graveyard. Yeah. And all of the WWE fans, all the WWE stands out there freaking out and they're like, oh my God, this was amazing. This was an incredible match. They should do this more often. And I'm just fucking sitting there going. This it's Lucha Underground. You guys yeah. realize that this they've just done a bad Lucha Underground impersonation, and all of these uh, WWE jackoffs who never bothered to see Lucha Underground are going, "Oh my God, this was amazing! Wow, it looked like a movie, so cinematic!" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's it's fucking it's Lucha Underground. You should have been seeing Lucha Underground." Yeah. It, it, but they, st- a, they, a lot they, of people, st- they still have their arena. They're still wrestling. They still have loudspeakers. I think they should pipe through porn sounds. Ooh, that's nice. Uh huh. I like that idea. So but, as but these yeah, guys it, are rolling around on the mat, it's all oh 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 oh. There we go. Yeah, I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. AEW still does their weekly show, but what they're doing is um, whatever wrestlers showed up that don't have a match sit in the audience. Okay. Yeah. And so there are people cheering, and so that's kind of cool. And also AEW is being financially backed by this millionaire sports owner named Tony Khan, and he has an arena. Tony Khan. And the arena... Yeah, the arena has been shut down because there are no touring concerts. There are no sports. So since AEW still wants to keep doing their show, they're like, do you guys want an empty arena? So they're doing their shows in actual arenas with no one there. Meanwhile, WWE is in this tiny little workout place. Yeah, WWE... The first night of WrestleMania was real awkward. I can't wait to pirate stream the second half tonight. Yeah. My daughter, uh, Amber, works at a a store. A Let's say it rhymes with Schlows. Okay. And they're a clothing store, primarily for 50-year-old white women named Deborah. And they finally shut down. It took them way too long to shut down, but they finally shut down. I was really upset for a while that that Lowe's was still business as usual. Yeah. You know? See, that's, it, it, that's like, exactly it. And that's, that's what Amazon should be doing. Not bitching about non-essentials. Amazon should be shipping out completely non-essentials so that these fucking people can go home. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I know it's non-essential. I know I don't need it, but God damn it. I need fucking gummy bears. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. 
I eat so many gummy bears when I go to the movies and stuff. I need my goddamn gummy bears. And I support you in your need for gummy bears, goddammit. Yeah. Like, a big-ass bag of gummy bears is fucking essential for me. It's not for everybody, but for me, it's fucking essential. Yeah. Barnes & Noble is still open, but uh, it... You can't go into the store, but they're open for curbside pickup. Okay. So employees are still going to work at Barnes and Noble and uh, getting things for orders and then going outside of the store and hand delivering it to people in their cars, coming into contact with customers in their vehicles. And so I'm so happy that Barnes and Noble is still out there risking employees lives because you know yeah you know what is essential uh old funko pops and 50 shades of gray yes yes it is that's essential because that's so, america thank goodness. yeah thank goodness barnes and noble is still open i'm i'm so pissed off about hamburger king being closed you have no idea how upset I am. During an appearance on the 700 Club, um, Pat Robertson figured out exactly what caused the coronavirus. Yes. Yeah. What so, was so, here's, so here's a quote for him, okay? Here's a quote. Some of these youngins are doing all kind of unnatural things with their sex organs. When people do that, they transfer all kind of chemicals from ladies' private parts. And I think that's where the virus came from. We never had these kind of things when I was growing up, but no one was committing oral sex back then. The fuck they weren't, Pat. They just weren't doing it with you. So we figured out exactly what the problem is. Yes. Boom. Yes. Thank you, uh, Pat Robertson, for setting us straight. Pat's not getting blowies, and he's upset. Yeah. So, that's our world. It's broken. Yes, and, you know, at least, at, least the, uh, at least the animals are reclaiming. I saw, I saw a baby deer in our neighborhood a couple, last week. Yeah. And that was awesome. Uh, you know what? I the 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 oceans are cleaner because there are less boats and less pollution. There are more fish in in the waters, and the water you know is is clearer and healthier. And here's another sign that uh, humans are the curse, and nature is the cure. I have heard that since everyone is indoors. The kaiju have finally migrated back to Japan. Oh, thank God. Yeah. It, how amazing. How how amazing that, you know, life uh, 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 finds a way. Yes. Very excited about that. Yes, it does. So, uh, so that's it for this week in quarantined America. It's still horrible and i miss going to the movies they sell actual wilson balls on amazon and i want one (laughs) now more than ever i need a wilson 
But uh, that's it for this week. The the planet is broken and everything is horrible. Yes. Yes. But funny, we still have a packed show coming up. We need to uh, discuss um, Midsommar and Rocky Five. We need to discuss the 2019 movie Serenity and Guy Ritchie, director of films that don't exist, that uh, I, I do a SNL reference when we get to the movie, and I'm really proud of it, and I'm hoping. Okay. I'm hoping that everyone gets it, but, but that's beside the point. But we still have a big show to come up. But should we take a break right now? Is that what we should do? Should we take a break? We should take a break. All right. We will be right back with more of the Pope on Film after this. And break. Take Bob out of the boy, but can't take the boy out of the dress. Thank you for doing that. This year, Miramax Films takes great pride in extending to you an advance invitation to celebrate New Year's Eve at the Monsignor Hotel, where a dozen of the most unusual guests ever will check in. We have reservation. And a lone bellhop named Dead on his first day on the job. All you have to do is hold the fort and the night's cake. Okay. Is in for the night of his life. Okay, Ted, what's the problem? I haven't got a problem. I've got problems. Plural. My children are staying here tonight watching TV. Get a bottle of dinner. If something happens to my children, they wouldn't want to be you. The five of us are a coven. <gasps> a coven of witches. An oven full of witches. A coven of witches! Tell me that's not a face you can trust. I can't handle this hotel by myself! Are you saying my wife cheats on me? I've got to get out of here. We want you to... I am not gonna cut off Norman's little... Hell of a night, huh, Ted? I'm stuck in a situation here which I can possibly begin to explain. Tim Ross, Antonio Banderas, Jennifer Beals, Valeria Golino, Madonna, Ioni Sky, Lily Taylor, Marissa Tomei, and Tamlin Tomita in a new film from directors Allison Anders, Alexander Rockwell, Robert Rodriguez, and Quentin Tarantino. Four Rooms. with more of the Pope on Film. Bunny. Yes.
Are you ready for another exciting installment of everyone's favorite podcast segment, Funny Versus? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you jazzed? Are you primed? Are you ready and raring to go? Yes, I am, damn it. Yes, I am. All right. <clears throat> Good. Well, without any further ado, it is time once again for Bunny Versus. And now here is your host, Bunny Williams. Take it away, Bunny. I blame Stephen King. I, I, I just do. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it started with the dead zone and now we're into the stand. I'm telling you, we have to take this motherfucker out before we have vampires running all over the goddamn place. Yeah. Why couldn't we call it instead of the coronavirus? Why couldn't we have just called it Captain Trips? Yeah, let's give it a cool name. That would that would have been better for the symmetry of the thing, you know. I and I I want us to build a monument that would be very easy to understand for the alien races who will come come after us. Yeah, and I'm thinking. We should take the Swiss Alps and carve it into just one giant limp dick. Yeah. And when I I, I think that would do it. I think when the aliens land here and they look around and they're like, what the fuck happened to this yeah. planet? And then they'll look at the Alps and they'll see just they won't see the Alps anymore. They'll just see this gigantic a limp dick that could be seen from space. Yeah. And they'll look at that and they'll be like, yeah, that explains it. Got it. Understand. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> <clears throat> you know, we have to leave some kind of message behind. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, what I've been worried about lately is uh, I've been focused on how for so many people, for millions of people, the coronavirus is going to make or break their relationship. Yes. You know, because there are a lot of people who. Uh, there are women who are now stuck at home with their abusers. Yes. There are people who were having a hard time in their relationship and now they're, they find themselves like spending too much time with their significant other. They're, yeah. you know, learning things about your partner that you don't fully know about them until you are stuck at home with them for months. Yes. You know, that like a lot of people are going to end up mid their relationship. <laughs> yes. I'm not saying that people are going to end up in bear outfits, but that a lot of people are going to Marie Kondo their relationships because of the coronavirus being forced to spend so much time with their significant other or 
in uh, Amber's case, you just started dating someone and you've been together for about a month and you guys really like each other. And now suddenly you can't go and see that person. Yeah. So there are different ways that the coronavirus is screwing everyone's relationships. But yeah, this this virus is really just going to is going to destroy so many people's relationships. Honestly, I think it's done wonders for Natasha and I. Good. I mean, I, like now she she's going back to work. Yeah. So she's essential. But before last week, we were spending all of our time together. And, and I don't know. Natasha and I have been getting along. Good. We've That's... actually been we've actually been doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I was talking I was just talking to Bonnie about how we should uh because the coronavirus put on a play for inner city youth. We should do it. We should do this play and save the rec center. Yes. But now have you found and I seem to find this going on and I think it's completely like natural for it to be going on, but have you either been breaking down to something just completely but stupid or getting upset over something that would normally get you upset, but taking that upset just way over the fucking top? Have I been, honey? I mean, I think everybody that yeah. because that's just that that's the typical you let everything build up and build up and build up and you try I, to handle these big things, this enormous thing that's happening in the world right now, and then these tiny things that already upset you but their life just set you up. I get upset. I get upset now that I'm a teacher, now that I'm Maxwell's second grade teacher. Yeah. I get upset with him because, uh, like, I don't have a lot of experience with ADHD children. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it, I'm I'm trying to find interesting ways to teach him math, and it's just I don't understand why teachers aren't the most highest paid people in the goddamn world. I can tell you that. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. yeah I, I have a hard. Have no <clears throat> I have a hard. I have a hard time teaching Max, let alone like twenty four other Maxes. But I agree with Tasha for the reasons why. You know, because, like, we're all so busy trying to be really cool about this, okay? Even though though we know millions of people are going to die and this is a huge fucking thing, you know? But we kind of have to keep going on as if everything's normal so that we don't lose our shit over it. Yeah. Which means you wind up losing your shit over other things unexpectedly and stupidly. Yeah. You know? 
or to a greater extent than you normally would have. You know, yeah. so like, like for me, when I saw that meme with uh, Neil Gaiman and LeVar Burton, yeah, I, I don't know why it completely made me lose my shit. I completely fucking broke down, and I'm huh. like, I'm like, this is dumb. You know, I mean, because let's face yeah. facts, nobody's getting hurt by this. More people know who yes, the hell LeVar Burton is than Neil Gaiman. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's a generally sweet guy. I got that, you know, but like, this is not some great sacrifice he's made, you know? Yeah. He's just doing something nice. At a really shitty time. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I way overreacted. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and I, I think it's okay. That's where I kind of want to finish yeah. this up, where, where, like, you know, go ahead, feel what you're feeling, and just let it out because it's pressure that you're not letting out anywhere else. Yeah. So what made you cry? Did Neil, did Neil, Neil Gaiman make you cry? He made me cry. Uh, I didn't cry, but I was like moved by it and showed it to everybody in the house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was like, oh my god, I gotta show this to everybody. Yeah. That, I didn't, that's I didn't, it. It's I completely nothing cry, to cry about. <clears throat> I didn't cry, but I got the clamp. Yes. The yeah. clamp. That would be that would be the proper way for me to explain it. I got totally verklempt. Yeah. So this is something to watch out for. Yeah. As we come in the dark days. Uh, I, I want an apology from Stephen King. Yeah. And, you know, at this point, would anybody be surprised by a killer clown? I no, don't think absolutely so. Absolutely not. No, I yeah. don't think so. I, I think we're beyond that. Yeah. We are beyond that as a society now. Killer clowns, not yeah, so no, fucking scary. Yeah, everything's everything's pretty horrible right now. Yeah. And so, and we know we know very clearly and very well from our government that we are completely expendable. Yeah. Yeah. The important thing is that we get the economy back. Yeah. Not not our lives. No, that's not silly. Yeah. That's not important. The economy is important. You know, kissing yeah. Trump's ass is important. What's this yeah. shit? Well, well, these are our stockpiles. 
who who's yeah, like, who's our who who's this this hour we're talking about? Like yeah. America? Because that's what you should be talking about. That's what you should be giving a shit about. Yeah, as far as I can tell, he's getting the emergency stockpile and selling it to companies instead of giving it to the people that actually need it. He's like making money off it. And he's bidding again. So he goes to the states. Okay, well, well, you have to go get your own supplies. You know, this is our stuff. You have to go get your own supplies. And they do. And then they're being outbid by the by the federal government. FEMA yeah. will come in and outbid them. Yeah. And my governor gave a big thing about that because. He's been handling this very well. I don't know if he's handled it the best. We're going to have to wait yeah. till it's over to get a final score on this, you know? But we are now at the point where we are, where the cases are doubling every five days instead of every two days, which is where we which were previously. So yeah. we're doing we're doing pretty good here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and along with that, okay, we have also like, I don't know what the proper medical terms for this shit is. Okay. But we have basically broadened the definition of what coronavirus is because we can't test anybody. Okay. okay. So. So since we can't test anybody, say say coronavirus has eight symptoms. You've got sick. You you get sick. You have six of those symptoms. They say, okay, great. You have coronavirus. We're going to treat you like you have coronavirus. Okay. So broadening broadening the definition means like you're considered to have coronavirus if you were only seeing like three of those symptoms now. Okay. See what I mean? So they're taking less of a chance. They're, they're assuming people as having coronavirus when they were not before, which means that you have a lot more reported cases in that case. Uh, and we are still now down to doubling every five days instead of doubling every two days. So we are doing good. But he had in an order for masks for the hospitals, and FEMA fucking bought them out. So we're not getting the masks. Fuck. Because FEMA outbid us for fucking masks. That's fucking crazy. Uh-huh. Well, what's FEMA doing with the masks? This, uh, giving them to companies so that the companies can sell them back to us. Yeah. Yeah, chances are real good. So, you know, this is it. This is... This is... Well, 
we, we might as well say that this is this is where we end. Although this is not going to be the end end, you know, because we are going yeah. to survive it. You know, uh, we may not necessarily fall into the Mad Max future. Uh, wouldn't count on that though. You know. Yeah. Uh, we'll survive this, but then the next blow, which will be coming, are we going to survive that? Or are we yeah. going to... Because we're already weak by this. Exactly. We've already been weakened. Exactly. So so yeah. when we're when we start getting into the really nasty bits of climate change, because we haven't done anything about that either. You know, are we just going to wind up dying a whole lot easier than previous? You know? But other than that, me, myself, I, I, I was born to be isolated. You know, yeah. so that that might be kind of weird to say, but I am seriously, you know, I mean, you're also in a house with seven fucking people, you know, I yeah. might not be cool if I was in a house full of seven fucking people, you know? Yeah. But, I, I think I'm doing, I think I'm doing great given the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, other than that, yeah. uh, I'm just not, I'm not having overwhelming urges to go out anywhere or do anything because I, I probably wouldn't have been anyway. Yeah. I would just rather be at home. You know, so a lot of the things that people are talking about on, on the on the internet, uh, I'm not experiencing a lot of that. I, I, I'm, I, I'm also less depressed and less anxious. Huh, really? Because it's really like well, here we are now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you huh. can't tell me that it's in my head anymore, you know? Uh, yeah, that's it's It's not just me. You know, I'm I'm not being too dramatic or, or anything else. You know, so. Yeah. That's kind of a strange phenomenon that's been going on as well. Huh. Yeah, I imagine that feels kind of good. Huh. You know, you're not going crazy. No. Well, I'm not going crazy at a faster rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, understand. I think me going crazy has always been a bit of a foregone conclusion. Yeah. But that's it. So, you know, other than that, it's kind of hard to have anything to talk about because in two weeks, nothing particular has happened in my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because we're all just sort of stuck here. And there's nothing really to even say about the situation. Trump's an asshole. Well, that's not news either. Yeah. You know, we've we've known this. We've known it for quite a while. 
Yeah, it's astounding that he still has followers. There's something seriously wrong with those people. Seriously. Yeah. Fucking thinking he's God and shit. Like, how? Yeah. Yeah, no idea. How how do you even arrive at that? That's that's not a sane notion. Yeah, it is not. It is what it. Yeah, that's that's crazy people. Yeah. Yeah. So so, how have you been doing? You you've been rather eh, uh, touch and go. You have not been having it quite as easy. Yeah. No, I have not. But uh, this week has been better. Yeah, I think, you know, Natasha and I are getting along. Uh, finally, this week, they uh, the school district released. Basically. My blueprint for teaching Maxwell, so that's good. OK, like like I've been focused entirely on the packet of extra work that they gave us right before spring break. And has been I've been trying him getting him to do math problems and English problems and all of this stuff and 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 now finally I have more of a concrete. Here's a here's a suggested schedule for your uh, second grader. Here's what he should be learning. Here are ideas for things to teach him and all that. And and so it's been less we need to get done with this work you need to do these papers we need to get this many papers done you need to work on your book report and more of like hey for math we're gonna play with beads and and so there's a lot less pressure on me yeah to be the asshole teacher that gets him to work on papers and now it's more uh it's like hey today for science we're gonna go outside and look at birds and shit You know, so so that that puts a lot less pressure on me. So I'm happy about that. Good. I I get nervous because of the people across the street, uh, because <coughs> there's like three people living in one very there's there's three families living in one very small house, and they are acting like it's business as usual. They have people coming and going from that house all the time. They have like cars of people that will visit. Yesterday, they they had a goddamn birthday party with a ton Oy. of people. Uh. And it's like I I I I can't rat them out or anything because uh, uh, Oklahoma being a piece of shit goddamn state, there's no real stay in place order. Yeah, I mean, there's a stay in place order, but they're not enforcing it. You know? Yeah. So, like, I I can call the cops, but they're not going to do anything. No. It just sucks how many people are just fucking idiots. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And think somehow they're so, immune or whatever. And they're yeah. not thinking about the rest of us. Yeah, for so many, for so many people, it's still just business as usual. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Yes, it is. It most certainly is. 
Uh, yeah, no, I've I've been all right. Yeah. There's nothing much interesting going on in the news because the news is all coronavirus. Yeah. There's a presidential election that we're just not talking about. Yep. Not at all. Yeah. Where we're putting up a rapist against a rapist. Hey. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Isn't that fucking crazy? You know, I... I Maybe he didn't do it, and maybe he's lying, but, you know, can we fucking, can we just not pretend that it's not happening? Yeah. You know, can we not pretend that this isn't a, th- isn't a thing? I mean, you know, you managed to do a slam piece over Bernie Sanders over something he may have said in a closed room with no fucking context. And you can't even ask yeah. Joe Biden, like, hey, uh, remember remember somebody named Tara Reid? Huh. Well, she says you raped her. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. the question can't even be asked of him. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. Bernie would have been killed by now. Yes, he would have. They would have dragged him out and burned him at the fucking stake. Already. But we can't even ask Joe Biden. We can't even question this. You know, we can't even say, uh, you know, remember when you told us to believe the women? Yeah. Did something happen to that? (laughs) You know, and and that I find exceedingly annoying. Yeah, everything is just the worst. Yeah. So, you know, if... Depending on who you are is whether you believe the women or not. Yeah is kind of how that comes down. So this is this is Biden. So hey, he 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 is I'm not sure what he is, but apparently he's better than the rest of us. So yeah. Because he gets the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And and no one is allowed to question it at all. No. Not at all. Or then Trump will win. Trump is going to fucking win. Because you know what? Trump's not going to keep quiet about this. Nope, not at all. All you're doing is giving Trump less shit he has to make up. Yeah. That's all you're doing. So, yeah. That's our state of politics, and that's about all that has actually not gone on. It would be kind of nice if it did go on, but that's not going to happen. No. No. And I think that is about all I really got. All right. Have, Have anything to add? 
No, no, everything is horrible. Everything is horrible. And you heard yeah. it here first. And we've just been reinforcing it since 2017. <laughs> yep. Well, then, that is it for Bunny Versus. And I am going to put a cut on that. All right. <clears throat> Bunny! Yes! If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, The Pope on Film. But, 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 only real fans, true hardcore fans of the show, would know two things, two absolute truths about us, America's hottest podcasting couple, Bunny and Steve. First yes. and foremost, the one thing that people would know about you, Bunny, is that you're a celebrated concert violinist, and so you have been spending most of your evenings uh, outside of your window serenading your neighborhood, which is very sweet, like Italy. Yes. So what songs have you... What songs have you been playing to your neighbors in this time of crisis? Uh, well, first I got caught kind of unexpected, so I don't exactly have my violin here. Okay, yep. but I have a bunch of rubber pan rubber bands pulled over a frying pan. I mean, that's 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 as near as damn it. And I am as the British. Yeah. And I am using my cat as a bow. Um, and from there, the the selection. Um, you know, you really want to be careful in this kind of time. I mean, I, you know, the music needs to have a very soothing effect on people in these trying times. Um, so on, uh, so, so fuck the police is a, a selection. I, I kind of like you use a lot. Uh, okay, that's a good one. Uh, anarchy in the USA, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, that's people love that one. Uh, kill my landlord. C I L L my landlord. Nice. You know, so... I uh, have a coronavirus playlist that I'm really proud of. Yeah. That I worked really hard on. Uh, it's 100 songs on a folder, and it's really great. Let me tell you some of the songs that we listen to. Uh, the Police, Don't Stand So Close to Me. Yes. Beastie Boys, It's Time to Get Ill. Peggy Lee, Fever. The Weeknd, I Can't Feel My Face. Alkaline Trio, Having Trouble Breathing. Uh, Alanis Morissette, Hands Clean. Very <laughs> proud of that one. Very proud of that one. Uh, the Descendants, Everything Sucks. Foreigners, Hot-Blooded. Really proud of my Alanis Morissette, uh, of my uh, of my COVID-19 playlist. As you Billy should Joel's be. Only the good Billy Joel's Only the Good Die Young, Queens yeah. Keep Yourself Alive. I decided to leave in David Bowie's China Girl. Okay. I wasn't sure about that one, but I kept it in. Why? Uh, what was your... Waiting what? for the End of the World. 
a try- Alice okay. Cooper school. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really great playlist. I'm really, really proud of it. Good. And the second thing that you would know about me is that I am a lover of history. I love it, but I'm also a storyteller. So what I like to do is I like to get a story from the history books, possibly one that people might not know too well and reword it via my own unique storytelling style. And that's what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations. Or SHAP, as I like to call it, repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name SHAP. It's direct. It's to the point. And like my grandmother always used to say, she used to say, Stevie, blah, blah, something in Spanish. I don't know what she was saying, but it sure wasn't Donde Esta La Biblioteca. Yes. Speaking of Donde Esta La Biblioteca, uh, I, I see all the people around me picking the things that they are going to binge. And then I get upset. And it's like, oh, you're binging this? Okay. And then I feel like the last kid picked in the playground because I don't have anything to binge. I'm because, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to pick. Everyone's watching the Joe Exotic documentary on Netflix, but I don't want to watch that. I have already like studied this and lived through it. And the last thing that I want is to have to see this damn documentary. But then I I started caring about Netflix. They just they just got the entirety of the NBC sitcom community. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm very excited because it's like, ah, oh, I have found my 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 disease binge. I'm so happy that I finally have something to watch, something of my own, you know? I I very had excited. to I had to watch Tiger King. I just had no other choice because we had spoken about it so much. And I and like, but that's it. That's that's enough. I mean, they're talking about a possible sequel, and like, no, 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 no. Nine episodes was exactly enough. Okay, yeah. we might have even wanted to lose an episode. Eight episodes. That's that's we're good. We're good. We're good. We don't need to worry about Joe Exotic ever the fuck again now. Yeah, you know. I, uh, I I I I am stunned that someone offered me $150 for my Joe Exotic shirt. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll never sell it, but it's nice to know that I have like a fallback if yeah. I need it, you know? Yeah. I I have a friend who had posted uh that Joe Exotic condoms are going for something like 600 yep. on eBay and it yeah. had said never opened and I'm like yeah you know if you're the person who's carrying around a Joe Exotic condom you're not the person getting laid yeah. so of course yeah. it's unopened That's good. yeah of course it's unopened this is Anywho, not a today on the good old shapity shap shap 
we will be discussing the life and the strange death of a star of one of the Rocky movies. Funny, they have made eight goddamn Rocky movies. Isn't that astounding? That is, especially when so many of them weren't good. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them were shit. And the first one, the first Rocky, Sylvester Stallone's Hollywood story mirrored Rocky Balboa's rise to fame because Sylvester Stallone was just some down-on-his-luck palooka. Yes. Really like being able to use the term palooka. Yes. He was a down-on-his-luck palooka who wrote a script and then overnight he's winning Oscars for Best Picture, Best, etc. But the Rocky movie series very quickly made a decision to ditch award season and instead focus on just making fucking money. Mm-hmm. So Rocky 1 was an Oscar winner. Rocky 3 had Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. And in Rocky 4, Rocky defeated all of Russia. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but Rocky 5 is damn near unwatchable. I haven't story. seen that one in a really long time. Yeah. Uh, Rocky's dealing with brain damage from the fight with the Russian and just being a boxer all of his life. And also, he loses all of his money and has to move back to the cheap-ass Philly ghetto that he came from. And so it's a bit of... It's a sad... It's a sad story. But one thing that Rocky V did have was something that they would do much better in the Creed series with Michael B. Jordan. In the 1990 movie Rocky V, which currently has a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes, Okay. Uh, Rocky opens up Mickey's old gym and he's training people and he's running the gym and he meets an old, a young boxer with a bit of promise. Also a down on his luck palooka like Rocky used to be named Tommy Morrison. Yeah. Uh, played. No, no. The Okay. So. The character's name is Tommy Gunn. Get it? Yeah. But the actor's name is Tommy Morrison, a dumb white guy who it surprised no one had no prior acting experience, but was <laughs> a professional boxer. And apparently Stallone thought that actual boxing experience was more important than being able to act your way out of a paper bag. But and with so many movie, other Rocky things, Pye, Stallone is wrong. Yes, yes, very much so. But uh, Tommy the Machine Gun, Rocky's protege, who eventually turns on him, leading to a street fight uh, between the two that serves as the film's climax. Tommy was played by real-life boxing sensation Tommy Morrison. I saw him box once. Yeah? Not in person, but live. Um... Some people said Tommy Morrison could have been the next Mike Tyson back in the late 80s and early 90s, which just so happened to be when my dad, for some reason, was super into boxing. Yeah. We got a number of Tyson's pay-per-view matches at home. And a a waste of money. Yeah. Yeah. Tyson. Because my dad would be, oh, but this guy, this, this next guy, this guy is the one who could finally, you know, defeat Tyson. They're saying he's really good. 
yeah, we'll we'll pay the the seventy dollars. We're gonna watch this because because believe me, Stevie, this guy is finally gonna be. And that was a thirty second match. Okay then. Yeah, Tyson is pretty much what got me out of boxing. Yeah, because that was a goddamn. That was that was goddamn ridiculous. Because I I used and to then, I used to like boxing. I particularly liked welterweight uh, or middleweight, whatever the fuck they're called. Uh, Sugar yeah. Ray Leonard, dude, yes. just had a lot of personality. Yes. You know, he he was the kind of person that I considered a hero. You know, in in the same vein as Muhammad Ali. Yeah, you no, know, he was fucking great. Where at the time we really didn't so, have anything then, like that in the heavyweight class. Go ahead. Yeah. And then occasionally back in the day, there'd be like a really big boxing match on HBO. And if there was an HBO match and my dad couldn't miss it, he would find a cheap hotel room in town. And we would spend the day at the hotel. We would go to the pool and we would be spending the day at the pool, maybe go to the zoo, spend and at night get KFC in the room. And my dad would watch the fight because buying a $35 hotel room for one night was cheaper than my dad getting HBO. So that's weird. I've got to say, no, I've got to say there is a little bit of genius in that. It is. It it is. It is. It was nice to like just be at home and then occasionally we're going to go to a hotel. They have yeah. a huge pool. Let's go. You know, it was neat. So, my dad was excited in April of 1991 for one matchup, Evander Holyfield, young boxing champion in his prime versus 42-year-old George Foreman who had oh. not yet made a grill that would make him millions. Yeah. My dad was in his 40s and worked out constantly because he feared aging. So he had a vested interest in watching George Foreman try and make a comeback in his early 40s. Yeah. But I was excited for an undercard match that same night because Tommy Morrison, who played Tommy Gunn in Rocky V, boxed a six foot four Russian boxer named Yuri Volin. Who looked a lot like the Russian from Rocky Four? Yeah, cool. So in my mind, it was Rocky Four versus Rocky Five, and I just dug the ridiculous symmetry of the thing. Yeah, I can Tommy see Tommy Morrison won. Yeah, I did. Tommy Morrison won that match. By the way, eventually Tommy Morrison won a few titles, including winning the World Boxing Organization Championship in a match against once again. Grill master George Foreman in 1993. And it looked as if Tommy Morrison was going to have a big career. And then tragedy happened, or maybe scandal happened, or maybe a conspiracy happened. It's tough to tell. But before we get into that, the dark part, let me pause the story to share an odd little bit of trivia about Rocky Five. So, Rocky Five. So, Rocky Five, in most Rocky matches, the climax of the film is this big boxing match between Rocky and some other person but the final battle of Rocky 5 isn't a big boxing match it's a gritty street fight in a dirty (coughs) Philadelphia alleyway between Rocky and his former protege 
So to make it authentic, they got a professional wrestler to choreograph the street fight at the end of Rocky Five. And I'm not going to have you guess it because it's a jaw dropper. They hired Terry Funk. Okay. That is really weird that Sylvester Stallone and Tommy Morrison worked for weeks with Terry Funk. (laughs) Strangest thing, the Terry Funk connection to Sylvester Stallone. So back to the story. Tommy Morrison is doing well. He's a very successful boxer. He starred in a movie. He had some titles. He's really making a name for himself. They call him the Great White Hope. Oh, is what they, did they have him. to. Yeah, because like, oh, he's 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 going all the way to the top. He's going to be the champion. And, you know, in a few years, maybe he'll even be able to take Mike Tyson down a few pegs. He's, he's our Great White Hope. And by 1996, he was going to be one of the greats. Then out of nowhere... The Nevada State Athletic Commission banned him from boxing because they said that Tommy Morrison had tested positive for HIV. Okay. Now, initially, Tommy Morrison accepted the prognosis uh, in a teary-eyed press conference right after the diagnosis, and it was all over the TV, and he even took the medicine retrovir for a while to combat the HIV, but eventually Tommy Morrison fought back. He claimed that the Nevada Gaming Commission was wrong, that it was a conspiracy to take him down and ruin his life and career, and that he did not, in fact, have HIV. Okay. This is where it gets weird. Uh, Nowadays, most people, the general consensus is that, um, oh, Tommy Morrison, uh, he caught HIV in his prime and spent the last years of his life in denial. But what if he was right? Yeah. What if the Nevada Gaming Commission, who I'm assuming is not the cleanest organization in the world? Uh, That would be my guess as well. I, what if the Nevada Gaming Commission, either on purpose or due to their own gross negligence, buried his career with a fake diagnosis? Fact. Tony Morrison, Tommy Morrison tested negative four times in 2007. Really? He was even tested for, he was, yeah, he was even tested for HIV by the New York Times in 2007. And those results also came out negative. So the New York Times came out and concluded that the 1996 results were a false positive. Uh-huh. And they said to the they said uh to the Nevada Gaming Commission it's like so you say that that he tested positive for HIV and they said yes. And then they said well we've tested him uh three times for this article and all three times came out negative. And they're like well there must be something wrong with your test. And the New York Times is like, bitch, we're the New York Times. Yeah. The test came back negative. Can you... So they got scientists and, and, and medical people, and they got those scientists and medical people to say that as of right now, in uh, 2007, 
no one can have a positive test for HIV and then test negative. The only way that that can happen is if the first positive test was a false positive. Yeah. Um, and yet, despite the ruling from the New York Times, people still frame Tommy Morrison's life as such a brave man battling HIV in denial, fighting back against this crippling disease. So sad. What a when hero. it is quite oh, possible that Tommy Morrison never had fucking HIV. Yeah. He actually left Nevada and left boxing in <laughs> Vegas. And went boxing in other states. And some states turned him away because, like, dude, all that shit with Nevada, you're not going to box here. But he did end up trying to have a comeback and, and boxing again and being fairly successful, although it was believed that he wasn't the same boxer that he was before. You know, he was slower. He wasn't as strong. He was long wind. He, he got, a, a, you know, short-winded easier yeah. than he could before but he did try and make a comeback it, but regardless of whether or not he had hiv whether he had it whether he was in denial or whether the nevada gaming commission screwed him over the press surrounding all of this ruined his career he ended up getting arrested a number of times dui fights in public drugs and weapons in his possession his career was essentially over he died in 2013 of cardiac arrest. His mom at the time, right before his death, his mom went to ESPN and said, yes, my son is dying of, quote, full-blown AIDS. <sighs> but Tommy's wife, Trisha, said and still believes that he never had HIV, that he died, yes, but he didn't die of AIDS. Still... Regardless of what destroyed his career, Tommy Morrison, 52 professional fights, 48 wins, 42 of them by knockout, and only three losses, plus one really shitty Rocky movie. Yes. That he did with Terry Funk. <laughs> That's weird. And I know I've said this before in this segment, but I'm kind of surprised that most people don't know this, that like the guy from Rocky Five, you know, could have been the next Mike Tyson and then the Nevada Gaming Commission quite possibly Sabotage. conspired to take him down. Like, like, that's some interesting shit. Yeah. You know? That is. This is a fascinating story. And depending on who you talk to, the story is different. The story is Tommy Morrison, a boxer who couldn't win one match, a match with HIV. Or, guys, I'm going to tell you this crazy conspiracy. But this is an amazing story. A story that sadly we'll probably never get to the bottom of. But yeah, Rocky Five. The story behind Rocky V is more it, it is more entertaining than actually sitting down and watching Looks fucking like Rocky V. Yeah. Yeah. So Agree that, on that is Yeah. So that is Steve's historical approximations this week. Next week we are going to be talking about a military uh, a United States military exercise after 9/11 that went ridiculously wrong okay 
knee-slappingly wrong. It's uh, wonderful how horrible this military exercise went. Uh, So next week is going to be a good one. So join us next time for more educationally uneducational history with Steve's Historic Approximations. Bunny, we still have a movie to get to. We need to talk about Guy Ritchie, Saturday Night Live, the movie Serenity, uh, racism. Okay. And how much Madonna sucks. But before we get to that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay. We will be right back with more of the Pobon film after this. And break. All are lunatics, but he who can analyze his delusion is called a philosopher. People used to go to New York to make it, to be something in the arts. Lorne Michaels was this strange Canadian come into town with this weird idea. We just happen to have the producer of the program, Mr. Lorne Michaels, with us. What should we look for on your program? It's one hell of a day in my neighborhood. It's lasted through the ups and downs of America and the world. He said it would be a cross between 60 Minutes and Monty Python. It was all anybody could really talk about. It was the dialogue of the year when it came on. It's important to remember, political comedy was essentially dead on American television. As the writers, you sit around and go like, what's true about this story that no one's saying? Man, it's cool, I'm gonna be president, that's wicked. Does it create a permanent stereotype that you got to work to try to overcome, you're done right it does. It's got to be all about job creation. Bingo. It's America right now, whether you like it or not. <laughs> People expect us not to take issues. People like when something goes down, like, what are they going to do on SNL? Stop being so gentle with that thing. Let me show you. the only form where everyone is necessary till the end. We don't go on because we're ready. We go on because it's 1130. Live from New York! Live from New York! Live from New York! And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. Yes, Bunny, my friend, who is more than brother to me. It is time once again for this podcast to casually mosey on down to the third and final act of the Pope on Film podcast. And it is said third act, wherein we finally and eventually get around to discussing our artisanally handcrafted, certified, and numbered, and available only for a limited time. So call now. 
movie of the week. And this week, I hope your teeth are crappy because we're going to England with a look <laughs> at director Guy Ritchie's latest British crime comedy, The Gentleman. Yes. The Gentleman. And I think the real story here is, without a doubt, the fact that, at least in my mind, this is somehow a spiritual successor, or sequel if you prefer, to one of 2019's worst movies, Serenity. Uh-huh. Because The Gentleman brings together Serenity star Matthew McConaughey and... Guy who explains the rules of the video game, Mr. Nerdy Jewish Guy with Glasses. Uh-huh. So, at least in my mind, uh, the kid who killed his stepdad in the movie Serenity, spoiler alert for a shitty film, the kid wrote and coded a second video game starring his dead dad as the hero, and that is this film. Uh-huh. I know I'm reading a bit too much into it. I, I think you may but- have a very sound theory, though. Yeah, because there's some uh, unbelievable stuff that happens in this movie. Well, that's because it's a video game. It's all a video game. Everything's a video game. Mm-hmm. That's what I've learned from Serenity. Everything's a video game. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a world of sense. Bunny, what did you think about this film? Did you see it, first I, off? I, I did see it. Uh, thank okay. God you fucking texted. Uh, or yeah. I would not have seen it. I yeah. I may even go so far as to say I loved this movie. I'm not yeah. sure yet, but I liked it a fucking lot. Yeah. I'm not you, terribly you, you... sure about its rewatchability. Yeah. Uh, but I liked it. I I I I need to put it in like kind of the same category as Knives Out. Okay, where this is a movie that we haven't seen in a while. Because it's all fucking superheroes and science fiction. I like superheroes and science fiction, but there are other types of movies we can do. You know? And that is part of what I liked. That this is a this is a the film has a fun energy. Yes, yes, and everybody for a bunch of cut note throat killers, everybody was so likable. You know that I'm watching yeah. it. I'm watching it, and I like I know that at the end of the movie, somebody has got to come out on top of this. You know, yeah. Somebody has got to come uh, come out and be the winner. And as I was yeah. watching it, I realized I I really didn't much care who that person was because I liked them all. Yeah, yeah. They're all they're all great. Do you think? Do you think that Charlie Who noms? like right hand man to Matthew McConaughey. Do you think he's gay? Because Wait a second, which one? Is, uh, 
Charlie Hunan, Charlie Hunam, uh, the Charlie Hunans. He was the he was the like number two to Matthew McConaughey. His like bodyguard and and uh, like his Matthew McConaughey's right hand man. I I as it were do not know because because here is uh Hugh Grant and he's like this gay pansexual lecherous sort of person and he is clearly hitting on Charlie Hunan's character and he's not really saying no he's not saying yes either but this comes from like I saw this movie in theaters twice and then once it came out as a as a digital download way earlier than they wanted to because of COVID-19 but they released it super early. Uh like I I've watched it a bunch of times. I absolutely love this movie. Yeah. And <clears throat> and I don't know. There's there's a sexual tension that I see between these two characters and I fucking love it yeah i was his was his name ray the one that hugh grant was talking to most of the time yeah pretty sure that was okay he to me looks so he looks a lot like fucking heath ledger if you really look at him except yeah. for his hair yeah, i can see that and it was bothering me watching because it was like i know this guy i know this guy from some someplace and i had to look him up on imdb and guess what i don't know him from a fucking thing i don't know him from one thing there is nothing that he was in in. that motorcycle show that all the white people like yeah i never Uh, watched that show uh sons of anarchy yeah there you go never watched a single episode of that Huh. But yeah, that's 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 how that's how I know him. I mean I didn't see the show either, but that's how I know him, but yeah. But if you really uh, look I, at him, he looks a lot like Heath Ledger. Yeah, he looks a lot like someone that you that you've seen before. Yeah. He looks familiar. Yeah. And then I like the I like the the way that the movie is framed, that the entire film is just sort of being narrated by Hugh Grant's character yeah. to someone else. Like I like that. That's interesting. That's a different take on it. And, and so and so I feel that a lot of the things you see in the movie might not be what actually happens, but just Hugh Grant over-exaggerating it. Like yeah. he says, like he mentions White Widow Super Cheese in in the dude's house, and then as he then continues to tell the story, two different people call weed White Widow Super Cheese. Yeah. And it's and it's like that's not these actual people saying that. That's Hugh Grant putting his own voice into these characters. Yeah. You know, 
I see what you mean, and I agree. I, I, I also liked... They were all so likable. You know? Yeah. They were, this was a, a, a very charming group of criminals. And you watch a movie like this, you know that somebody has to come out on top. Somebody's got to be the winner. And I was, I was feeling like as I was watching it, like it, it doesn't make a difference who wins this. I'll be happy. I'll be satisfied with that. Yeah. You know? The, the cast is really good. You know who I don't like? I don't like Colin Farrell, but I loved him in this. Yeah. He was the he was coach. He was the coach to all of those people that were putting all the YouTube videos out. Yes. How stupid. Yeah. Like he was he yeah, he was great in this. Like I don't like him, but God, I liked him in this. Because yeah, everybody in this is just great. Yeah. And and the best part about this movie is that it's 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 a return to form for Guy Ritchie. It, it, it this is him saying, "Hey, when I first started out, because here's here's the Guy Ritchie story. Uh, hi, I'm Guy Ritchie. I'm an upcoming uh, British director. I made the movie Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and that was a really good movie, and people really liked that. So that means I can get a lot more famous people and a lot bigger budget for my next film, Snatch." And that was a really huge hit. And now I'm kind of a Hollywood guy. I'm going to be making these Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr. And I just started dating Madonna. And that's when his career went down the shitter. Yeah. Because it, like, like he started making Hollywood movies and crappy movies. And, and Madonna made this horrible film where she was stranded on a deserted island with this dude. And it's considered one of the 100 worst movies of all time. And that was Guy Ritchie <laughs> directing his wife in this movie. And, and everyone just sort of went like, ah, oh, Guy Ritchie. He was so promising and his movies were so good. And now he's just in the shitter. And it's all Madonna's fault. And now, you know, he's long since divorced Madonna. And, and he's slowly but surely trying to prove to people that like, hey, I can be who I was before. <coughs> And this this movie, The Gentleman, should have been his third film. Yeah. But instead, Madonna ruined his life. But this is very much, you know, a return to form for him. Uh, Pre-Madonna, Guy Ritchie made British crime a lot of fun. And then Madonna sucked the life out of him. Yes. But as she does. As she does. As she does. But this movie is just so damn fun. So let's do some stats. This is a 2020 British crime comedy. Wikipedia says it's a 2019 crime comedy, but Wikipedia is wrong. Okay. Because this movie had its premiere at the end of December 2019, but it didn't open in UK theaters. Until January 1st, 2020, in the UK. And then it came out in January 24th in America. So I'm sorry, Wikipedia. I know it had a premiere in 2019, but this is a fucking 2020 film. Yes. 
the movie, you go for when it was widely released, not when it had its premiere. This is a 2020 British crime comedy. I would agree. In, in fact, <coughs> this movie was still in theaters when all movie theaters closed down. In fact, The Gentleman was one of the last five movies I thought I saw in theaters before the coronavirus fucked over Hollywood for the rest of eternity. Yes. It cost $22 million to make, and it made a pretty damn impressive $118 million. So this film was a hit back when box office grosses were a thing. Also, can you tell that I miss movie theaters? Because I think I've been hiding it pretty well. <laughs> you okay? What I'm hoping, what I'm hoping is that, I don't know, June, July, August, <coughs> movie theaters open again. Movie theaters open again, and there's a small period in time when, hey, movie theaters are open now, but there's nothing to show. So, mm. hey, yeah, here's aliens. You know, that's what I, I'm. I'm just sort of hoping that, like, hey, for a while, your movie theater is going to be showing Shrek Two, Back to the Future, The Breakfast Club. Fucking Godfather Part 2, you know, that's what I'm hoping. Yes, and that is a good hope. But what I fear in movie theaters opening back up is that this is where we get ass. Yeah. Like, fuck, yeah, we don't know what to... We, we, we have nothing to show. What, what should we show? Film that guy's ass for two hours. Yeah. That's yeah, how we get that ass. That is a possibility. Yeah. That so there's a, a dark side. Might get yeah. So the movie was written and directed by legendary British director Guy Ritchie, the director of such legendary British films as Garuff, all right? And here he is, Round About the Bin. And of course, his most famous film, Don't You Go Round and Round the Railroad. His most famous movie of all time. Everyone loves the classic British film, Don't You Go Round and Round to Rero. The <laughs> film that the New York Times called British. <laughs> Extremely British. I didn't know what they were saying the entire film. Some people <laughs> criticize this film for being racist, which I agree with. But I also like British film racism because I know it'll never be directed towards Mexicans. Yes. Hooray! Hooray for British racism because I won't be offended by it. <laughs> it's always about it's always about other races other than apparently they don't get a lot of Mexicans over there. Yeah. So I'm happy about that. That that's one thing that that brings me joy. It's a good movie, and it shows that when Guy Ritchie isn't in love with Madonna, he can make a decent British Quentin Tarantino movie. Yes, you know, and yes. you really should should see Snatch. It's such a fun movie. Like Guy Ritchie, Guy Ritchie did the movie Snatch, and it starred. And he, it's 
it starred that one guy who's now in all those uh, action movies. Uh, oh, fuck, what's his um, name? Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Uh, in particular, the, because death was... mo- the Death Race movies. Jason Statham. Yeah, Jason Statham. Because uh, he... he he was an act. He was a wannabe actor, and Guy Ritchie gave him his like big break. And because Guy Ritchie was funny, and he was a comedian, and he had a really good sense of comedic timing, so he was hired to be in this movie. And in between takes, Guy Ritchie is going uh, through the set and notices that uh, over off in the corner by himself, Jason Statham is doing kung fu, <laughs> and so. And so Jay and so Guy Ritchie goes to Jason Statham, and Guy Ritchie's like, "Why the fuck are you doing kung fu?" And Jason Statham says, "Oh, it's just something that I do to keep myself healthy and to keep my mind sharp. You know, I'm like a triple black belt, right?" And he goes, "Really? Then you should do action movies." And Jason Statham said, "But I'm a comedy guy. Can you imagine me in an action film?" <laughs> And Guy Ritchie said, like, don't worry, we'll get you in action movies. And now that's all he does. And every time uh, Jason Statham's in another action film, there's a part of me that dies because it's like, damn it, you're so funny. You're an actually funny dude. And you were so funny in Snatch. And now you're just yeah, me action star. And it's like fucking... Like, damn, that's sad because he is a funny ass dude. <laughs> uh, so that's all I've got for this movie. It's a damn good movie, and I really, really like it. And it's fun, and it's funny. And I've been trying to get the entire family to watch this fucking movie, but but uh, everyone in this house cannot sit down and watch a movie anymore. I'm not sure why, but it is difficult for anyone to sit down and watch a movie in this yeah. house. I, I, I'm not sure why like everyone in this house will sit down and binge watch a fucking show but they they have a hard time like oh a movie uh... and it's like <laughs> dude what do you have better to do like come on let's all sit down let's all watch shit but nobody will watch anything uh, so that's all I've got for this week's movie it's a damn good movie isn't it isn't it a yes. good movie it is a damn good movie I, 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 I was I was thoroughly and happily surprised yeah, and then and then the weirdest part was was that I saw it in theaters in January, and then it disappeared, and then suddenly it's the beginning of March, and I'm like, wait a second, why is the gentleman back in theaters? Yeah, that's weird, because for a couple of weeks I was like, damn it, you know, the gentleman was a really good movie, but I only got to see it once. That kind of sucks. That was a good movie. I would have liked to have seen it again. And then three weeks later, opening at the Shawnee Theater 8, The Gentleman. And I'm like, no, I have definitely seen that before. It is not opening. Because <laughs> it already came out. Fuck it, whatever, I'll go see it. And then it's playing in their biggest theater. And it's like, why is this in the biggest theater? I saw this a month ago. But I was happy to see it again in theaters before all theaters got shut down. But this is a yes. fun, fun movie. It's difficult because because it's like, I would be hard pressed to make a best of 2020 list right now because it would have like three movies 
Yeah, that's not bad. You know, it, it, it's also not good. It'd be easier to make a worst of 2020 list. Well, but that's the same because for like, just every what? year. Yeah. We were about to get to the good movies. I was about to break into the the good part of 2020 yeah. in theaters. And then they fucked me over. But, uh, Bunny. Yes. We need to talk a little bit more about movie theaters because I want to explain next week. Okay. Right before movie theaters shut down, I got kind of excited because a movie was coming out and I was like, oh, you know, this movie is obviously going to be horrible. It, it, no doubt this film is going to be a piece of shit. But a Christian movie had just come out. Okay. And I was kind of excited to watch another Christian movie so I could have something to shit on. And I was kind of excited, like, oh, this will be fun. Like, it's always fun to shit on a fucking Christian film. Yes. So so, so this will be fun and this will be a blast. And then when movie theaters closed down, I was like, shit, I was just about to go see that fucking Jesus film. And like, and I was kind of disappointed. I was disappointed that I couldn't go rip on a fucking Christian film. So next week we're seeing it. Okay. Next week we're doing the 2020 Christian film, I Still Believe, based on the true story of a popular Christian music star. Okay. Is, it has, is this it has. Huh? No, no, no. It's, uh, uh, I saw the pre, they showed the preview before every goddamn movie I saw throughout October, November, December, January, February, and March. Jeremy Camp. Okay. I've never heard of Jeremy Camp, but apparently he's like a Christian music fucking super ultra mega star. And it's his true story of, of like, uh, uh, his faith being tested. He falls in love with his girl. The girl has a disease and she's going to die. The guy who plays Jeremy camp is fucking Archie from Riverdale. Okay. And from, and for some strange reason, his parents are played by Shania Twain and Gary Sinise. <laughs> and it's so sad. Cause it's like, ah, oh, damn Gary Sinise did, did Forrest Gump fuck you up that much? Yeah. That you're that you're you're in in Christian movies with fucking Dean Kane and f fucking what whatever. Say hi to Kevin Sorbo for me cuz that's kind of depressing. Yes. It is depressing cuz because unlike a lot of the other people that you've mentioned, Gary Sinise can fucking act. He can. He's a good actor, but it's one of those things where like you you are you do such a good job in such a legendary part that, sorry, Nurse Ratchet, you're not going to get a lot of parts from here on out. Yeah. And it's like, like Gary Sinise is a great actor, but also, fuck, Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. You're just Lieutenant Dan now. Mm -hmm. So it... I'm kind of excited to watch this Christian movie because it, I've watched every Christian movie that's fucking come out since uh, 
the end of 2018, and they've all been shit. And this seems no different. And I'm excited to share this shit with you. Okay. So it's already up on the cough cough. We're watching. I still believe. And hey, if you turn if you turn into a Christian, that's fine. Yeah, what's that's hell? fine. I always told my wife, like, what are you gonna go see? And I'm like, I'm gonna go see blank, just to let you know. I might become a fucking Christian when I come back home. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm always I'm I'm always putting my fate into my own hands when I see one of these goddamn Christian films. So if I come back with a Bible in my hand, just know. That well, but that's what these movies are for. They're for indoctrination. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if if they're doing their job, yeah. you should definitely come home a Christian. Yeah, but so far, none have turned me, and it looks like this piece of shit is... Yeah, but that's only because there is no God. To. Yeah, well, yeah. So, so that's next week. Next week, we are going to be watching the Christian film, I Still Believe. We're going to be trying to survive this pandemic. We are going to be talking about a 2002 military exercise that happened right after 9-11 and was a spectacular failure. And uh, it's going to be a good show next week. But now that I'm looking back at this week, oh, the highs and the lows. Yes. Serenity, Terry Funk, Hamburger King, Midsommar. I got to say, I think this has been a pretty, a pretty good episode. This has been a damn good episode. Okay. I, I not, felt the same way, but I didn't want to step on your toes or anything. But Not pulling but, any yeah. punches in this, in, in this time of pandemic and disease. Yeah. Yeah. Everything sucks. So, yes. so yeah. I, 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 I concur. I concur with your assessment, good sir. So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve, and on behalf of Natasha and Eleanor and everybody else in the house, I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do